this is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben off the cheek, and you're listening to the London, London is Blue, Blue podcast. podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. As always, your host Brandon, join my host Dan. No Nick, as we kind of advertised on Discord, so it really shouldn't be a surprise to everybody that it's just you and I. Huh? Look, you know, we decided uh, April Fools. You're going to get a podcast, and we're going to drop it, and uh, you opened that feed this morning, you thought, maybe I'm not going to have one? What's this world we've come to? Two weekdays in a week where we don't drop a podcast? What's the world coming to? We we decided that at least we, Brandon Busby, would make sure it got done. Indeed. Nick went home, uh, some dog-sitting duties, but it's good for him to be back uh, in Nebraska for a weekend. But anyways, what we want to do is an April Fool's mailbag, right? So instead of maybe touching on all the more serious topics, which there are many in the lives of a Chelsea fan right now, we thought we might open this up and uh, take a bunch of questions from our Discord community. What is our Discord community, you may ask? Why, Dan, what a great question by the intelligent listeners out there. Well, it's a question that uh, if you don't know the answer to, you should find it out. And I will tell you right now, in this moment, the Discord community is a part of our Patreon type of support benefits. So if you support the podcast on Patreon, which you don't have to do because we release, you know, 150 to 200 podcasts in a season for free without any request for any other support, maybe a nice five-star review and a platform of your choosing. The pot, that's an extra way to support the podcast, but it's also a way to involve yourself in our community. We've got people talking about basically everything Chelsea and non-Chelsea. Uh, there's a movie conversation about Moon Knight recently, the new Marvel show, Brandon Busby. Uh, it's a, a different superhero character. Don't know if you're aware of him. Um, Not and, at all. And other, other topics, uh, racing, a lot of Formula One conversation, but in general, uh, a great, wonderful group of people. And, uh, you know, you support the podcast, get to hang out with some cool people. And, uh, you know, we also put other content on there, too, on Patreon now. So, look, um, these are questions we're going to answer. It's going to be fun. It will indeed. Um, all right. Well, I guess we can talk. Just jump in at the top with Gabriel saying, what's the reason at Enverlaney is not on this pod? The more absurd and ridiculous the answer, the better, which I know it kind of ruined, but this is just an opportunity, Dan, for us to flex that creative thinking muscle. Well, you said he went home, so that has to be the start of the story, right? A drive home. But the reason, the impetus, the drive for him to make the journey on a Thursday night into a long weekend, what could that reason be? Could Rex, the family dog, be missing one Nick Verlaney? Could there be a little heartbreak hotel at the moment right now? That could be. Could it be a situation where Nick is finally being asked to move all that shit that his parents are still holding onto in a room in the house? Get out the fuck of there. I don't know. It could be any of those things. It could be none of them. But I would lean to the fact that most likely Nick is being told to put the stuff in a box and find a storage unit for it at this point. Come on, man. Yeah. Yeah, you're no, he mid, definitely... You're in your mid-30s. Let's he, just get this figured out. Yeah, it's definitely time to uh, move out, Nick, and, uh, you know, put all the baseball uniforms in the Rubbermaid container and peace out, all right? Mama Verlaney's had enough of holding on to your your little, you know, all your memorabilia. It's time to, it's time to move on. The Nick Knacks of Nick Verlaney. So, anyways, hope that worked. Uh, but that's a great way to lead it off is that Nick is not a missing person. He, we definitely know where he's at, thankfully. And also we're recording during the day and well, 
clearly he's just busier than us. So, uh, classic 86 cases. Do we think the new owners can get a word in with Nike about getting some better kits? Uh, it's always an interesting question, Dan. Um, you know, when it comes to kits and all that, I actually think the new owners aren't going to do much at all about that. That'll probably be at the bottom of their list of priorities. Well, they're going to have influence, right? They're going to have people starting to look into all these things. I would imagine that unless you were to pull a really quick sit, switch and you think about this, the production timelines, right? Like there's already leaks for not just this year's kit, but potential next year Chelsea kits in what they might look like in terms of fit, form, and color. You would probably assume that at least this year, what comes up next is going to be the same as planned. I don't think there's going to be too much deviation there. What you might be able to do is influence what comes in the 2023-2024 season and beyond. That's probably the next time that a new owner would be able to impact shirts, potentially being able to impact is the Nike deal still viable or maybe they want to go with a return to Adidas. Uh, I doubt that they want to produce their own kits. That's just not something a major club does. I mean, though, Brandon, I think the really, really savvy move is for a new owner to convince Nike to say, Jordan brand, Jordan brand, Chelsea kits. I mean, I think that there's a commitment you have to make to go there. Obviously, it's more of a, a fashion style type partnership that you have to do a lot of additional pieces for. Uh, interesting enough, the MLB just signed a 10-year deal with Nike starting in 2020. So if it is the Bully Group, that'll be obvious. That'll be or it'll be familiar comfort zone for them. Uh, the only difference being that baseball uniforms are by far and away the most boring things ever created on the on the earth when it comes to sports apparel. Um, so hopefully they can get something there. I mean, like, if it's bully, is there like a Dodger Chelsea overlap? I mean, same color schemes a little bit. Uh, I don't know. I mean, there's we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, Dan is a hundred percent right in the sense that nothing will be able to uh, go into play this next season. You think about it, we're already in April. Chelsea will unveil the new kits in May towards the end of the season for next season to try to kind of ramp up jersey sales, assuming that we're even able to do that. (laughs) Well, the one thing that would be different, though, most likely, is I think we have seen the last of uh, not the number that uh, plus one of two or minus one of four. I doubt we will see that number affixed to the front of our jersey with a new owner because you would imagine any new owner even in a short turnaround, should be able to bring a key partner with them for potential jersey uh, front jersey rights with them as well. And hopefully that it is a more lucrative deal than the three deal that we have currently. Yeah, just to clarify, because it took me the entire time of you talking to figure out you were saying the three UK deal on the front of the shirt sponsor, which, yes, you would expect any owner to come with a commercial partner in insight especially with all these people already having activations across other teams and things like that that um that would be kind of a bare minimum you'd expect them to bring and like who knows how that even goes i mean never really talked about it like i guess it doesn't really affect us dan what you know three uk does with the front of the shirt sponsor because it's not like we have an option to use them as a cell phone service provider i we haven't really looked at that it's not it but if you look at twitter travago has been seen as like 
hell yeah, double down, ride the wave. Like fan sentiment is up massively when it comes to Trivago. So it's interest, it's interesting to see how that goes. You know, if three is seen to be kind of turning their back on the club and, and the Chelsea fans are no longer um, have a positive brand sentiment towards them, they might want to get out of their contract anyways because it's going to end up hurting them more than helping them. I just don't see where it's something that supporters seemingly want. I think in general, people just want a clean shirt that oh, yeah. looks nice. And if that's what we can do, the the sponsor is a secondary consideration. But I would imagine just from a commercial standpoint, because the money that you raise from your shirt, which is the deal with Nike and the deal with your sponsors, also equates to what you can spend operationally on the pitch. You would want to see someone come in and potentially go above what three's total was. And I think that's that's more my mindset is like I – if it was three and they were pumping another 20 million pounds into the club per year, great if they're going to pay the fair market value or the best for it. I think it's about an impetus for the new ownership to maximize the commercial revenue so that they, in turn, can spend more for the on-the-pitch talent. 100%, 100%. So, yeah, we'll see three in Hyundai, what ends up happening to them. Interesting. Uh, well, that spiraled nicely. Uh, McGleasy wants to know, how BB Busby, how is your recovery going with your knee? Who is back first, you or Chilwell? Well, uh, having just did some testing yesterday, I can tell you that I am now at a functional range of motion, 130 degrees bending backwards, which is great, but I can tell you I am ex- still extremely limited in what I can do. Uh, there's no sight of me putting on football cleats um, within the near future. Uh, and we've seen Chili B out on the grass at Cobham. So, Dan, I am massively behind him. But I can also tell you that uh, I'm not going in and doing rehab and, and exercises every single day like he is. Well, and we were also – look, we count on you for a lot of things that you can do even during your recovery period. Uh, you know, we can continue our quest to be uh, – to win – Champions League equivalent titles in the podcasting universe uh, with you seated, which is great. Mm-hmm. Chelsea need Ben Joel back on the pitch on the, in the left wing back role as soon as humanly possible. But that's still the August potential timeline. And, you know, you don't want to rush it. You clearly want him to be as healthy as possible and make sure that he's ready to go back into playing in another 60-plus game season because when Chelsea win the Champions League again, uh, we're going to go deep on another Champions League run. We're going to be competing for every cup. And look, you know, maybe in a crazy world, he ends up getting called up for the World Cup too. Who knows? There's a lot of things that could happen, Brandon. Yeah, it's so much more enjoyable when Nick's not here to just rain on that parade, uh, which, <laughs> is, which is nice. We can let that fly. Uh, the other thing I'm learning, which is not relevant really at all, but like I hope Ben had a very simple it tear. I'm learning that my medial meniscus i had a radial tear and at long story short like i did it the worst way possible like there's an easy like you just snap the acl and you're back at it no i did three other things and so my my non-weight bearing timeline was double just an acl that set me back and yada 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 boring boring but it looks like ben is much, much, much further along in the recovery process than I am, which is good. I still have my voice and I still have my brain. So thankfully I am still valuable to lifetime in the podcast. Uh, I'm doing what they need me to do. So yes, uh, Chilwell is quite obviously uh, operating at a different level. Do you see on this Instagram post? He's got all these little tattoos now. Chili B is becoming a little tattoo artist or a tattoo template. 
I have not. Uh, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not big on the the IG footballer game, Brandon Busby. Uh, Chillwell, he did uh, a little thing that says Spring 2022 Edition, and uh, he now has a skull uh, uh, just below his wrist. He's got, I don't know, someone's going to make fun of me. There's an island here, probably with his heritage. And then he has 21 tattooed kind of between his thumb and index finger, and they're all on his left side. So, um, And then there's an actual scribble uh, on the outside of his left bicep. So... Uh, Keep an eye out for that. Chillwell, unlike me, has been uh, adding tattoos during his downtime. So, yeah, but I feel like he's. I'll have to go back and look at this. I feel like he's traditionally a long sleeve player. I feel like we don't often see the exposed arm. So, I mean, we're just not, we're not gonna. You know, if you're only watching the game and not uh, scrolling the IGs, you're not gonna necessarily know. Yeah, no, he he wears the long compression sleeves. Uh, anyways, Techie Tiger with a frivolous question at BB Busby: Will you follow D Dorm's steps and get a dog? Dan, is your pet considered a dog legally? <laughs> wow! <laughs> uh, by uh, breed in the American Kennel Society, I would say yes. Got it. Um, you know, when you're a miniature dachshund and you weigh below ten pounds, I think it is. Uh, fair to receive that question and i uh, understand why the neighbor lady asked me if it was a squirrel that i was walking the other day so look that's just uh it's just breaks with a small dog but uh i don't know brandon are you are you getting a dog in your future anytime soon is that on the cards in 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 the stars sure isn't pretty pretty adamant about that uh while your dog is absolutely adorable especially when your wife terry does portrait mode in the cherry blossoms um oh that was totally my photo she oh. totally posted well, it. <laughs> even better uh she ripped it and owned it it was great um no, uh, so Elizabeth had beagles growing up, but I never had dogs, so I don't have an affinity to pets. So as we're getting married and moving in together, the last thing we want to do is add that stress and like newness to our relationship. So no, no dogs in the future, but sorry, Tech, I'm just not a dog guy. It's never been my, right. my lane. So no pets in the Busby household growing up. Nick Verlaney, Dan Normer, partnering to get the future Busby, a beagle, <laughs> yeah. as a wedding I'm gift. I'm going to go ahead, yeah, and uh, exit that real quick. <laughs> Thankfully, Elizabeth's not overly um, uh, adamant about having a dog either. She's pretty sure her beagle died, died of COVID, though, she'll tell you, back in 2020. Like, had a cough and died. So, again, cannot confirm, but she thinks COVID took out the second beagle. Anyways, <sighs> random. Who knew? I don't know. She's not interested in getting another one. Anyways, I digress. We're going to take a quick break. Thank you to the sponsors for supporting the show. Uh, we get back. We have more just absolutely life-changing questions coming up. We'll be right back. Uh, speaking of Patreon, Dan, uh, you talked about other content. We've got SW6-ish on there and even a Joe Tweed's mailbag popping up regularly. Yeah, we got a. Uh, it's in the docket right now. It's probably live, maybe by the time you're listening to this, or in the next day or so. But we got uh, another Joe Tweed's multiverse mailbag coming up, and uh, this one he's starting to profile the contributors uh, of the London is Blue universe. Uh, so he is kind of starting to ask some tough questions, kind of profile uh, opinions, get people to make bold claims and statements, not letting them get off easy. And uh, he put me through the paces first. So uh, watch out, Brandon Busby. You're up next, I think, maybe. And uh, we also have uh, wonderful recaps happening too. So uh, after this Brentford game coming up this weekend, we'll have a SW6-ish for, uh, from Joe 
uh, kind of quick reaction, a couple of thoughts based upon Chelsea's return back to playing Premier League football. Yeah, and hopefully by the time this goes up, you'll post uh, Chelsea Youth and I's SW6-ish on the Academy update. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Region 20 with the question, how do the two of you feel about the rumored way Bowley wants to uh, run the club on analytics, as in similar to FSG with Liverpool? Well, Dan, if you assume he's going to do it the same way, with the same level of execution, I'd say it'll it'll work quite well because Liverpool went from being pretty damn bang average to winning the Champions League and then the Premier League in two seasons. Well, it took place over four, almost five years. So it was like a multi-year project to get there. I do think they're buying into a Chelsea side. Whoever buys in is buying into a Chelsea side that's actually closer to the peak of their powers versus needing a total overhaul and rebuild. I mean, you're thinking smart players, smart acquisitions to round out what is at its core a very, very solid uh, side, especially with some of the young players beginning to blossom. I do think from a player recruitment standpoint, it's not something if you go back and look at the past five to ten seasons that you're always going to look at back fondly at i think we always hit it out of the park and to you know their credit liverpool has not always hit it out of the park either but in terms of some big bets that they've made on players they have definitely had that come good uh probably most notably uh sala but then also uh, even just recently diego Jota uh has obviously been a really smart and shrewd signing for them too i would hope that we could continue to leverage data both in helping us inform like who who are those rising stars from the academy who need to be slotted into the first team or be in line of sight to getting a first team opportunity particularly with the uh, voted upon five premier league subs per C- per match now brandon busby is being something that we are moving in towards an era uh, into an era of because that is something where now you're going to see more players potentially staying around potentially wanting that opportunity thinking they're going to have a shot I, I don't mind it. I think it makes sense to try to f- take opportunity of the market and get really great talent so that when you do want to buy a really, really expensive player, you haven't spent 30, 40, 50 million pounds on every single player you're getting to fill a rotational position on the team. Yeah, I think there's a kind of two main ways to build the team these days. One is you've got your really solid squad players and then you splash the cash for some game changers, right? Eden Hazard is the easiest definition, right? It didn't matter who was around him. If you gave him the ball, magic will happen. It may not be till the 88th minute, but it's coming and you just don't know when. Uh, The other one is more of like the Liverpool side where, you know, you can plug in an Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain for 30 some million and he can do a job because the positions in the system are defined and you go find people who fit within that system and so the system becomes kind of the the all-star and the the players are just you know the 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 pieces of that of that puzzle um you know and that doesn't mean liverpool haven't broken the bank obviously alisson was a lot van dyke was a lot um you know there but the thing is or on on an overall spend it's far less kind of um extreme in that sense and obviously having trent alexander arnold come through the academy is massively helpful for them uh as well i'm not putting in the city 
uh, playbook because, you know, whether it's them, Real Madrid, PSG, only a few teams are spending a couple hundred million on outside backs uh, every couple years. That's pretty nuanced to only the top of the top. And I think that regardless if Roman were still in charge or not, Chelsea would need to continuously kind of refine their craft because that isn't something that we're going to do. The amazing thing right now is, Dan, we have so many game changers and game winners in the team, and we're really starting to see it settled, especially when Reese and Chili B were, were healthy and, and clicking, just how damn dangerous this team can be. I mean, clean sheets were a standard. Um, our, our, you know, The number of shots Mendy was facing a game was, was minimal, um, and we're able to go put up some big points because you essentially had five people on the pitch who could score at any one time, and, uh, and yeah. it was humming. So I really can't wait for, for that to happen again. But, um, you know, there's a lot of, I think, credence in, in, and um, results based in this kind of analytic style. I would also say there's a spectrum of analytics-driven football, right? There's money ball where you literally don't even look at names. You just look at numbers, and then there's – probably somewhere in the middle, which Liverpool are probably like two thirds up in that scale. Yeah, it definitely gives you latitude to determine how you want to take the strategy forward. But to me, the two great things about where we're set up to take advantage of this is we have such a great crop of academy players within our squad currently, and their overall yearly wage hit uh, because they don't have a transfer fee associated with it makes it so you can do more if you do want to go after a couple of bigger signings uh, as it were and conversely with a change in ownership potentially there is a top-down look at who's on the squad and maybe even some willingness to get people off the books even though maybe it isn't as financially this negotiated the same way as it has been in the current administration that is something I'm very interested to see if we do make some shrewd and tough decisions with maybe talent that's on the books currently and trying to move people off maybe a season early versus a season too late. Absolutely. Uh, you know, one of the biggest things is this team, this new ownership team's going to have to do is figure out what to do with Romelu Lukaku. I mean, easily. So um, don't envy that, but I hope they get it right. Uh, Dr. SPE says, why are the best episodes of the book of Boba Fett, the ones that he's not in? Um, Dan, look, I could go on forever about this, but I think it's just easier if we let you uh, take it. It'll probably just be more more coherent. Well, I, I know, Brandon, that uh, in reading your dissertation about uh, the phases of the two sons of Tatooine, that it really, it really spoke to me, your passion for the Star Wars universe and uh, really you know, how you connected with the, uh, the Western identity of, uh, you know, a new hope. But uh, look, I, I, I digress. Um, it, it's because, um, the Mandalorian or, um, it, you know, essentially is doing everything that Boba Fett you would want to see him do, but he's not doing. <laughs> and that's it. He's going on the epic space elements. He's going to follow the code and follow the creed and of the Mandalorian way. Uh, I don't want to go too far into it because if you haven't watched it, uh, spoilers. That's, that's a terrible thing to do. But in general, yes, 100%. The moment Book of Boba Fett turned from being a show about Boba Fett to being a show about really bridging the current season of The Mandalorian and the next season of The Mandalorian, it became a much, much better show. Look, couldn't have said it better myself. 
while I am a general fan of Star Wars, I have not kept up with all the other spinoffs and things like that. So, uh, Bounty Hunter, Boba Fett, what's up? <laughs> yeah, I like it. Wow. PRP asks, potential matchups you're most looking forward to in the World Cup. Uh, quite relevant since the World Cup draw was earlier today. Uh, as Americans, we are in Group B with England, Iran, the United States of America, and a Euro playoff, which I believe is Ukraine, Scotland, or Wales. Yeah. So, uh, with that being said, it's an overall, it's a good group. Uh, look, we love Rob Green for what he did for in his time at Chelsea. Do not forget, he let one go through his hands and legs in the World Cup and uh, gifted us a point quite a while ago. So... Uh, I think a lot of American fans are excited to play England. There's always that, you know, monarchy is dead in America type feel. And so it's always like, this is our chance to stick it to them. Let another Boston Tea Party get all that funny, just shit talking that really doesn't mean anything. Um, But it does amplify the match, at least on America's side. It's one of those things, Dan, England doesn't care. We're their annoying little cousin or whatever. But for us, it's a big opportunity to knock off the home of football. Oh, I mean, to uh, beat the the founding country uh, at their game would uh, always be something that we would appreciate the opportunity to do. I think it's an interesting group, but my eyes immediately go, I don't know if this is the same for you, Brandon, to Group E with a Spain and Germany being in the same group. That is quite, quite interesting. And I I don't know what's going to happen there. I would agree. I think, uh, I don't like that we have two European teams in our group. I think anyone you get from Europe is going to be tough. The fact that we couldn't pull someone from maybe um, Asia or, you know, another, you know, I don't want to say like lesser continent, but you want to stack the deck as best you can. And at the end of the day, Europe is one of the toughest qualification places in the world. And I don't want to play a tougher team than I have to. Um, so I do think that that's tough, uh, for us, but I think that the group H with Portugal, Ghana, Uruguay, and Korea that I think that one will probably be one of the closest groups where everyone's kind of fighting to survive. Uh, but don't sleep on group C, uh, Lewandowski leading Poland. Uh, you got Mexico, Saudi Arabia, and Argentina. I think that is going to be uh, a very, very difficult group uh, as far as who we see get out there. And then I think an all-Chelsea fan favorite group is going to be A with Senegal. Mm, it's true. There's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of hopes, a lot of dreams pinned on uh, that one and hoping uh, one, Edouard Mendy, is able to uh, advance out of that group. I think the... Group F with uh, Belgium, Canada, Morocco, and Croatia. Another interesting group. I, I mean, actually, in general, this is a pretty balanced balance draw. Yeah, yeah I, I don't think I would say that any group feels like there's a, a runaway favorite easily. I think there's there is a team in each group that could trip somebody up, and there's a team that could be the prohibitive favorite to advance. But again, it's it's football, and it uh, it is a game that uh, loves to loves for you to think you know what's going to happen because that never is what happens. So I hate to be that guy, but I'm going to, because I think I'm going to really struggle with this World Cup, Dan. I haven't decided if I'm going to watch it or not. I know the U.S. qualified and everyone's excited about that. I could be less bothered. Like that was an expectation for the United States. Um, 
and the way that Qatar has gone about building the infrastructure for this World Cup is some of the is some of the most egregious <clears throat> violations of like humanitarian rights, human rights, and it's well documented. But yet they've persisted with it. David Beckham, which just paid about 100, 150 million to be an ambassador for this World Cup. And I'm not saying he knows what's going on, but let's be honest, he knows what's going on. He's happy to take the check. Uh, Dan Ledon, D-A-N-L-E-Y-D-O-N on Instagram, posted an amazing picture. And it was someone holding the World Cup and their hands were bloody. And I don't think that the, the atrocities of like the migrant workers that happened within this oil-rich country to, to build literal cities and stadiums from ground up because they did not exist in this country. The fact that it was uh, the most unbelievably obvious bribed bid along with Russia, you know, that they had a summer bid accepted, but then after the fact, the old curmudgeons that voted for it realized it was too damn hot to play in the summer, so now it's in November. These are all things that like, I'm having a really hard time to get over. And unfortunately, that's something that I'm gonna have to deal with but it, it definitely is putting in perspective, like one of the coolest tournaments in all of sports, you know, a la March Madness, but at what cost? And um, that's just something that I'm struggling a lot with now as we get closer to closer, which like my excitement is definitely taking a massive hit for this and I don't know how to do it. And of course, like I'm happy for the players, they get to represent their country, such an honorable thing, but just the way FIFA lets this like allows for these things to happen and almost like promotes them, I think is just the most egregious and should be honestly met with like jail time and punishment of the highest order. And it's not, it's fucking celebrated by all of these commercial partners who are happy to, you know, maximize the opportunity. I mean, you saw, or maybe you didn't see, but there was the uh, first female uh, president of the Norwegian FA, uh, Lisa uh, Calvinese, or uh, Cal, uh, Calvines, who spoke about how just unacceptable it was that Qatar was selected to host the World Cup and then basically got told by the next presenter uh, that this really is not what we should be talking about. And this is absolutely what we should be talking about is the fact that you have people in the LGBTQ community who, if they were to go to Qatar, um, potentially like are being told that it's going to be okay for them to be there, but then they're going to have potentially a rainbow flag or flag ripped out of their hands for their protection or their safety. It's just not where I would choose to go spend time. Um, or spend money to invest in that economy to be there. Uh, I think I will probably not watch. That that's just I. I'll check score updates. I'll see things on Twitter. I'll catch some highlights. But in general, I don't feel like it's necessary to uh, add a add a plus one into the the coverage numbers, which unfortunately I imagine are going to be uh, record breaking. Uh, as most sports numbers on a year-to-year basis tend to be, which is the disappointing part. Yeah, man, sport watching at its finest is a good way to put it, especially as we are kind of going through the the scope of sports watching with Chelsea right now and other teams in the Premier League. So uh, quite relevant, but I hate to rain on that parade, but it's just something I'm I'm having a hard time you know, getting past. So um, we'll probably talk more about it as we get closer to it. 
Uh, Millhouse says, at D-Dorm, what is one TV show or movie that B. Busby, B.B. Busby hasn't seen that he needs to watch? I mean, you're assuming that I don't watch everything. <laughs> well, I mean, look, after your the amount of hours you put in watching all the latest uh, Star Wars and Marvel content, I mean, it's very clear that you are a man of the world yeah. when it comes to your knowledge of the pop culture zeitgeist. I mean, don't forget that I led the Game of Thrones series. Wow. Wow. This is where we're going to go, huh? Still um, have not seen a moment. I think the question should be, Brandon Busby, what's a genre of content you like? Like, if you were going to watch a type of movie or you're going to watch a type of TV show, what's the the genre? And then maybe we can direct to the right recommendation. I don't know. I, like, Elizabeth and I really, really like Succession. Um, we couldn't hmm. get through Squid Games. It was just a little bit too dark. Um, we just watched Two Popes the other day. That was pretty actually interesting. Um, what is another one we binged? Succession, we binged that one hard. Oh, we did watch Love okay. is Blind. I mean, you know, hard not to. <laughs> Cheesy, dirty, dumb. Um, but I think th- I think that those are kind of the last ones. We tried to watch, like, Emily in Paris. That was dumb to me. Um, and then we tried to watch what was the Anna Servi one or whatever it was. Inventing Anna. Yeah, like, eh. I thought that was, like, not well written. I thought it was pretty cheesy. So... Um, but what are some of the other things I binged hard? I liked Ballers, which is kind of dumb, but I'll admit that. Especially anytime we like took a flight to London, I'd always look that up to see if there was anything on there. But um, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm pretty open. I just I just don't watch a lot of TV right now. That's fair. I mean, and, and you don't have to. Um, if I were thinking about a show then for Brandon Busby to watch. You ever watch The Wire, Brandon Busby? No. Oh. Classic HBO show. Phenomenal writing. Um, really getting uh, some amazing actors at uh, pre-levels of celebrity. Uh, most notably, uh, Idris Elba is probably the one who ended up having, I would imagine, the biggest career after it. But it all takes place in Baltimore. It's really gritty, and like each season goes through a different facet of it. The first season is about um, really kind of wiretapping to figure out how to reduce drug trade in the city. Um, but then it kind of goes into the, the dock workers. It goes into the police department. It goes into government policy. It goes into how the journalists cover it. And really what the true character is is the city of Baltimore that is then being portrayed and talked about through these groups of people. And so uh, it's a five-season investment. But I think you should at least watch one or two episodes and try to see if that is up your alley. For sure. We did just watch The Big Short for a movie, so... Um, oh, okay. Big Short's a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah we'll do that. Uh, otherwise, you guys can tweet at me and, and in Discord tag me and some other recommendations, but I, I'm just terrible at, at getting through things. So, uh, Bearded Bunny says, if there was one event... Uh, a closing doors moment, if you will, that you wish you could change in Chelsea's history, what would that be? Can't say a Bromwich sale or Champions League 2008 loss. I think the recommendation from someone was Mourinho playing Kevin De Bruyne, which I thought was an interesting one as to, oh, yeah, it'd be great. Um, inserting a buyback clause into Salah's contract might be another great one in terms of uh, trying to find maybe if it's talent. Um, 
gosh, uh, maybe not sacking Ancelotti right away. I feel like I thought he about had that. a little bit more to give. That's that's the one I always feel like. Just I get being cutthroat, but that was like almost to a different end of the spectrum. And I, I think he had a little more to, to give with this the, the team that he had. But uh, maybe that's where I would go. I think so. I mean, even Abramovich has has admitted that you know, like the those teams under Ancelotti were like some of the most exciting. I mean, those. I think we've like done a quick review of that. Maybe it was during like the uh, decades draft. Like they, Chelsea were scoring six, seven, eight goals more regularly that season than probably in any other time in Chelsea's history. Now look, did we slide in a few goals every now and then? Sure. Like Petr Cech wasn't setting the clean sheets record those seasons, but uh, when we talked to you know people like Mark Worrell and Chidge and Silves and. You know, all of our friends that have gone to the matches, they do look back at that as being one of the most fond times they had watching Chelsea because it was just a riot every match that they went out there. So uh, I tend to agree with that. I don't think there's a lot that's been done other than that, you know. Um, I would be curious to hear other ones because I, I do think yeah. the sliding doors moment is always interesting to think about like a, a what if. A what if we kept Ancelotti on? What if we re-signed Mo Salah. Like, there's all these type of fun little games you could play about how things would have been different for Chelsea. But also, if those things hadn't happened, we wouldn't be here where we are today, which, outside of all the stuff going on with the club, recently winning our second Champions League, having Thomas Tuchel as our manager, getting watched the growth of Kai Havertz and all these wonderful academy players, all of the actions and activities brought us to here today. And that's the thing to be excited about because the future... Once the sales concluded, uh, the future is bright and will continue to be bright. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love it. Yeah, definitely crowdsource some some suggestions there. Um, all right. Lastly, but not leastly, PRP, what are your favorite sushi rolls and what's in them? I, this is so hard because, like, every menu is different, right? And, like, mm-hmm. I, I don't even know what the names are at one versus another. But I think it is probably easy to, like, you kind of have, like, your go-to role don't you dan like in general like i know what i'm looking for on the menu yeah i i would enjoy something you know i I do like a little sashimi which you know is the just the direct cut of the fish uh you know that's uh a a type of like fatty tuna is uh is always a good option i think eel in most capacities is a a pretty good one as well i mean you have the so there's then the regular sushi roll which is kind of the traditional like circular one then there's the nigiri which is the uh just the piece of fish potentially on a bed of like a sushi uh, or like a sushi rice um so i would go love to have a mix of some sashimi and some sushi roll um eel maybe for the roll some fatty tuna for the sashimi i'm good no, all right. Eels kind of out there. I might have to try to venture out and try that. Um, I usually go for like the spicy rolls anytime I can. Oh, spicy's good. Yeah, and I'm a big fan. I put wasabi in the soy sauce, and like I'm, I'm a fan of that. Even though that's not how you're traditionally supposed to use it. But anyways, don't, don't let don't let somebody tell you how to eat it's it. True. And take away your joy. Yeah. So I I definitely prefer, um, uh, you know I. You know, sometimes you get like the uh, the fried shrimp and things like that. Um, you, uh, I, I'm like the one who gets like the least sushi sushi roll, right? Like if you go back to traditional Japan and you're like, hey, I brought sushi. They're like, what is this? This is not sushi. Um, but yeah, anything with some spice. I love avocado. Um, and if you, like I said, if they have a good shrimp tempura, then I'm probably going to be down to try it. So 
but I will take your recommendation on Eel Dan and give that uh, give that a run for it. I'm looking forward to hearing how you enjoy it. I'm also looking forward to how people enjoyed this episode because, again, it was a little off some Chelsea topics with a few kind of spiced in there, but just in general an opportunity to reset uh, after, I think, what felt like one of the longest months in Chelsea recent history. You're not wrong. So, anyways, hope you guys enjoy this random late Friday pod. We'll get this out in the feeds. Uh, But, you know, the joke's over. All right, there is a podcast today. Just didn't come out in the morning. So, anyways, that's going to wrap us up. Uh, Football is back this weekend. So, make sure you've got your your clocks figured out since daylight savings time. You had plenty of time. No excuses, all right? Make sure to get your pubs, get your supporters groups, and enjoy it. So, until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Blue flag flying high.